0: Hey, you're on air with Ella, and today I am joined by Susan Murphy, and we are doing something we have never done before. I'm so excited to welcome you to the show, Susan. How are you? I am very
1: well, and I'm delighted to be here. What do you mean by something you've never done before?
0: We have talked about finding your authentic voice. We have talked about Uh that, Susan, but we've never talked about it literally before.
1: Uh Aha. Well, that's where I can help.
0: I'm so excited. Okay, before I ask you who you are and what you do, where are you today?
1: I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I've lived for the last six years.
0: I am familiar with that area. Uh, Susan, would you tell everybody who you are and what you do?
1: I am a broadcast voice coach, one of the few in the world. I work with anchors and reporters and sports people and meteorologists. And what I do is I help them find authentic voices so that it very much uplifts their storytelling.
0: All right. I'm so excited about this. because. (laughs) I think this matters so much, particularly for women. Do you work with both women and men?
1: Oh, sure. It's 80% women, 20% men.
0: Why is this specifically useful as a women's issue, in your opinion, if you think it is?
1: Oh, no, it's a women's issue. There's no two ways about that. On a couple of levels for a reporter or an anchor. First of all, the kids now that who go through J school and broadcast programs, back in my day, you usually started in radio and then advanced to television. That doesn't happen anymore. Radio isn't what it once was. It's very different. Most young people now jump straight into television. So the whole voice thing is not very much addressed in school. And when you don't have the practice at a radio station, sometimes you're left floundering with how you're supposed to, well, I shouldn't say supposed to, how you sound on the air. And so, what I have learned in watching television over the last couple of years is that women primarily are not using authentic voices. And by that, I mean they are breathing shallowly. They are speaking in a higher register and a higher pitch, which can, not always, but can affect how we view them as experts, how we view them as media people. And so, I decided that I would start working with these young people one at a time to sort of make their voice sound more in line with what they do so that their viewers are not turned off by their, how they sound, and so that literally they lean in to what they are listening to.
0: So I think that you and I are aligned in this opinion. Tell me what you think. I think that this is important no matter what your career. I think this is important at home. I think it's important at work. I think it's important uh, particularly now that we live in such a remote and virtual environment and important on Zoom and that sort of thing. Is that your experience as well? Oh, absolutely. I think every woman should speak authentically,
1: physically, and mentally. But when you learn to speak physically in an authentic way, well, then the the rest of it can flow from that, particularly with reporters and anchors. Once I show them where their beautiful, authentic voices are, what happens is confidence grows and then they can step into their work a whole lot better, a whole lot more easily, a whole, you know, with, with great, great passion.
0: No, I forgot to mention for the unindoctrinated, J school is journalism school, correct? Oh, yeah, correct. Okay. Yes. I just wanted to get that on the table. Now. Yeah. You talked about confidence. I believe that what voice you use, and we're always talking about authentic you. We're not talking about you pretending to be somebody else. We're not talking about you trying to sound like fill in the blank. I believe that you and I are perfectly aligned here, that we are talking about people tapping into their most resonant voice and the one that can create for them and display for them the most amount of confidence. Is that fair? More
1: than fair, that's dead on. What happens with reporters and anchors, particularly the men, they get into their heads what they think they should sound like. They deliver as maybe some of the anchors they grew up watching. That's not what I want you to do. I want you to be you. And the women have that challenge as well. But for women, it really is a pitch thing. And what I have learned. And I did not expect to learn this, but when we start to work on finding authentic voices, and I I start with women whose voices are high or girlish or breathy, it's not much of a stretch for me to show them how with some proper breath work that suddenly that voice arises and they are usually stunned that they have that. So, in doing a little unpacking of that, what I've learned is For a lot of women, they adopted or never lost that girlish sound, that breathy sound, because back in their childhoods, that served them well. Either it got them through a dysfunctional family, or it got them through some sort of relationship with a person in authority, their father or their mother, or it had something to do with their romantic partners. And then when they get into the professional arena, they just don't know that they have a voice that can command so much more respect. It's so much more authentic that people turn around and and they're willing to listen. I worked with one young reporter for whom we decided that not only did her on-air voice need to be stronger, but we decided that certainly her conversations in the newsroom, she was always passed over for promotion. And I thought perhaps it would go back to the voice she used in conversation with news directors and her colleagues And then she confessed to me that she had had a boyfriend who, when they had broken up, the last thing he said to her was, and I never could stand the sound of your voice. Oh, how heartbreaking. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So for her, it was a change for her whole entire life. It just made her bolder and better in every area of her life. And she just didn't realize she, yeah, maybe she had been told that her voice wasn't as authentic, not authentic. People weren't telling her that, but you know, it could be lower or it could be different. I'm not trying to make you different or lower. I'm just trying to help you find what is naturally there. I'm not creating something. And even for the men I work with, in just showing them the breath and how to use a pause, which in any arena, whether you're in business or whether you're speaking with your spouse or your children, not being hysterical, And having a voice that's somewhere up in the stratosphere. Okay. You can't do that all the time. We're human. Having a voice that commands a little respect, having a voice where you own the room, having a voice where you are having a reasonable conversation, where you are not only speaking, but you are actively listening and that you are using pauses so that whoever you are speaking to can digest what you're trying to tell them. Because if you're going to go a mile a minute and throw all kinds of information at me without letting me absorb it, my eyes are going to glaze over. And that's going to happen anywhere in a business meeting, in an argument, in a a regular conversation with a friend. So, learning to speak authentically, using some of those tips and strategies, understanding that your natural, authentic voice may not be rising to the top because That other voice had done so much for you in the past. It's time to move forward.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, first of all, if you would ever like an extremely humbling lesson about your voice, start a podcast. (laughs) There you go. Sure. There's... recording of the podcast and there's the editing of the podcast. And I cannot tell you how painful it is to listen back when I get super excited about something or I'm really vibing with a guest and I get higher and higher, Mm -hmm. or God forbid, I laugh and I just sound like a horse into the microphone. Like there's (laughs) nothing more humbling than this. So I approach you with nothing but humility when I ask you these questions. Um, And I also want to say, I have several things I'd love to lay on the table here, Susan, but okay, we, will go definitely, for it. we will definitely get into some hows. Yes, we can agree. We will get into some practical sure. tools and tips. Okay. Yes. Well, let's marinate in the problem statement for just a minute. So we have said a few things like it's an issue for everybody, but we find some p- particular layers that are particular to women. And I find those very, very interesting. And I think all of us have experience encountering those in The real world, everyone has seen or has done themselves, or probably a mixture of both, that in certain dynamics, you might revert to a baby voice or to a quieter voice or to a weaker voice without intention. So, you know, you do you, but it's the things that we do without intending to, or we do them unconsciously that I like to bring to the light.
1: Yes. A lot of women didn't know that's how they sounded. But as soon as we could put a couple of pieces together, these women would, you know, come back to me in a week or sometimes that same day and they'd have tears in their eyes and they'd say, do you know how healing this is? Whoa. I, like I said, mm. I, I never saw it coming. So if I can help you take the steps to find the agency in your life that you deserve and you have and you need to use, people judge you by the sound of your voice. We judge people all the time. It's not right. I got that. But let's take one thing off the table. If it's the sound of your voice and we can do something to make it more authentic. LGBTQ plus people, I have worked with them and I'm not out to change any voices. I am not. There is authentic and I work in that realm of whatever authentic is. But what I'm not going to stand for is a voice that is put on a voice that is not you for whatever reason. I've had senior reporters be rather dismissed in meetings with news directors. And I'll say, okay, well, when you're in those meetings, what do you do? Well, I, you know, I go in and it's a conference room and it's this big oval table and I kind of go in the back and I, I sort of stand in the back. Oh, is that what you do? Well, here's what we're going to do. You're going to come into that room and you are going to sit or stand right next to the news director and you are going to jump into those conversations. Don't be afraid. You have to step into you and I'm not going to let you sit in the back of the room and then become miserable at your job when, okay, there are some things you can change and there are some things you can't, but what you can change is your response to what is going on around you. Use that voice to do that.
0: I could not agree more. And something that I have some feedback that I've gotten when I've coached people on this informally or formally, they say, they might say something like, I'm just not very aggressive. And I say, Oh, no, I'm not either. Um, I mean, I can be if provoked, but
1: <laughs> can't we all?
0: But I am assertive. And yes. I would love for you to explain from your professional point of view what is the difference between aggressive and assertive in this context?
1: Aggressive is angry, assertive is knowledgeable.
0: Hey, can you ignore this trash audio quality for just long enough for me to tell you what Organifi has done for us? So, you know, they were sponsoring the show. You already know if you go to Organifi shop, they will give you 15% off with the code Ella. Well, guess what? They just changed it to 20% because you guys are digging Organifi so much. And I called them, they helped sponsor the retreat. And I said, Look, you guys, I want to offer more of a discount. I know you already offer discounts for the first purchase. But I want to give my folks more. And they said, Okay, and they gave us 20% off. It's not just your first order. It's any order. So grab that code while it lasts stock the cabinets. I am now getting green and red on rotation, as I've said to you before, really trying to boost my nutritional intake. The greens, let me tell you about the greens really quickly. I am loving that they have ashwagandha, that they have chlorella, that they have spirulina, like... These are greens I need in my life. And frankly, I'm not always eating them, if I'm being honest. But what I've added just for this upcoming season is I've added their immunity blend. So I wanted to share that with you. I wanted you to use this code. I can't promise you how long it will last. The code is Ella. And you save 20%. Check out their green, check out their gold, check out their red, check out their chocolate gold. If you want to jump in on the immunity bandwagon, that's a bunch of vitamin C, zinc, and other vitamins and minerals like D3 and just what we need to carry us into the colder season. I will put a link in the show notes for you, but just know that that code Ella is now worth 20% off. Use it while you can. Thank you, Organifi. Okay, back to Susan.
1: Aggressive is angry. Assertive is knowledgeable. And you're right. There are people who confuse, conflate the two. It does have to do perhaps with the tone of your voice. You don't go in angrily. You take a breath, you access that beautiful voice, and you explain you really do need that raise, why that story should be the one that you're covering. So you're just coming from a position of strength because you know you deserve, you have, you are, and you're just being reasonable. You're just setting out the facts in a non-threatening, compassionate or passionate way, depending on what it is we're 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 talking about here. I always say, I don't want you to be loud, but I do want you to be bold. Bold is the word I use all the time. I want you to be intentional. That's another of my words, intentional about what you say. You stand in that truth. You stand in your knowledge. You stand in what you need and you just put it out there, not in an angry way, but in a way that is backed up. Anger is never backed up by anything except anger. Assertiveness is just coming forward with what you know you need.
0: Let's take this out of the workplace for just a minute because frankly, I see this everywhere from talking to children, to Mm. ordering in a restaurant, to dealing with customer service. And I would love for you to share some anecdotes with us with regard to what you see. But like, I know women who are extremely confident and capable and, you know, you go out to lunch and when they order, they're like, I think I'll have the, first of all, I think I'll have the, or Could I try the? And they change their voice and the words they use. And it makes me crazy. And I'm not, I know that sounds, I know that sounds so critical, but it's about me wanting them to stand in their own power and have the confidence, even in these tiny interactions, because I think they matter. What do you think?
1: Absolutely. There shouldn't be several yous. We all have the right to be able to order for ourselves and just to speak up and to speak kindly and to look them in the eye and say, I'll have the roast pork, please. Thank you. I don't understand why women
0: shrink back. Because we're not used to or we're not comfortable asking for what we want.
1: There you go. You're right. Practice in the small things so that you can get better at asking for the big things. I know we're going to do tips and tricks later, but uh, adjacent to this, as a voice actor, there's a process that voice actors use called ABCing often will we'll be auditioning for like a 30-second spot, and there are four sentences in it, and those four sentences are relatively short. So we're not talking about war and peace here. We're talking four sentences. So what we do is we take the sentences one by one, and we ABC them. You do it, A, take a breath, repeat it, B, take a breath, repeat it, C. And sometimes you make conscious changes of, oh, I'm going to emphasize that. I think I'm I'm going to step back a little bit on that line. Or you just allow something organically to happen in the way you say it. So I throw that out there as a way of practice that if you are uncomfortable in saying or asking for the small things, A, B, C, how you do it, you have to do it out loud because it's never the same if you do it in your head that they don't ever match. You'll have to do it out loud. So try ordering from a menu and do it, A, take a breath, B, and C. And you'll be, first of all, you need to hear it back in your head. I don't think women realize how they sound, but if you pay attention to how you ask and how you sound just in the practice, that's going to help you out the next time you're going to make a little ask.
0: Okay. And I said one more thing and I'm going to be, I'm going to be rude (laughs) Slash, Go ahead. slash critical one more time, and then we'll move into helpfulness. So thanks for bearing with me. But when it comes to speaking with children, people always commented that I talked to my son. So my daughter didn't come into my life until she was 14, but my son I had since birth. And I obviously sometimes just talked to him like I wanted to pinch his face. But most of the time, I talked to him in a normal voice. Mm-hmm. And people would comment on that all the time, but I actually think it doesn't matter what I think. <laughs> no, you're you're right. Go, Meaning, go with that. my way is not the best way. But I actually I wanted to talk to him like a person, and I still talk to young people and babies in a normal voice, and yeah. and they are engaged. Now, of course, I was silly with him and all that, and I wasn't reading Shakespeare to him. I'm not. I'm not trying to sound lofty. No, you weren't. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't teach him (laughs) Japanese before he was three or any of those things. However, I did just try to talk to him in a normal voice most of the time. Do you have any thoughts on that? I know that's a bit random.
1: I do have thoughts on that because I do the exact same thing that you do. I have nannied for several children in my life, and I now have a, a granddaughter. And I'm a big believer in treating them as a human being in a voice that is authentically yours. As you say, be funny, be kind, be, you know, joke around with them, play games, but you don't have to do it in that high pitched. Oh, you're so sweet. My goodness. Look at you. Right. When you think about high pitched noises, they are warning signs. You don't necessarily want to speak to a child or a baby in a warning sign voice. Not that that's bad because it does get their attention. But I do think that babies and children pick up on the warmth. And I think that calming voice in a lovely tone, in a kind tone, babies know you love them, not because you're pinching their cheeks and t- talking in some squeaky voice. That's not, that's not it. And I've been called a baby whisperer, so I think it works.
0: I have not. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say equally, I would not be talked to, and I have a young, I have a young niece and and a couple of nephews, and I will not let them talk to me in a whiny baby voice. So I will stop them, and I will and I will say, okay, now I need your big boy voice, or now I need your big girl voice. But I can't stand it. But also, I'm teaching them how to treat me, and I don't want to be talked to in that whiny whiny voice. It makes me crazy. So I guess I sound like a bundle of joy. Now, just for the mm-hmm, record, mm-hmm. the voice I use to talk to my dog is not appropriate and would get, <laughs> immediately disqualify <laughs> me from this conversation.
1: Because, <laughs> because. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the nice thing about that is the dog will never be able to tell you what he or she thinks of that. Um, so go for it.
0: Well, I want to talk to you about some tips and tricks and some tools that we can use in our everyday life, Susan. And one thing I want to put on the table as we go into this conversation is... There is a bias, like there is an inherent bias and there are many statistics about this. I have none of them at my fingertips, but there are so many statistics about how women will be criticized for their tone of voice, how people will take male voices as voices of authority, you know, 10 to one over a a woman's voice. And so there's a lot of stereotyping and a lot of gender bias built in, like baked into this pie. So I do want to add that to the table because that's not fair
1: true, except when it comes to commercial voices, the studies in, in listening to commercial voices that very often women are considered to be more trustworthy in commercial voices versus men. Mm-hmm. When so, it comes to
0: marketing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: So there, there is that difference. But you're, you're absolutely right about that. There is a bias against women's voices. So some real simple tricks to Access your most beautiful voice from the bottom of your diaphragm. I go through a whole thing with my clients um, that involves posture and breath work that was very uh, in line with yogic breathing, plus what I've learned um, from singing lessons, as well as voice acting. But the very simplest form of putting your body into the place where it can, your beautiful voice can most be accessed. Has something to do with a body part that you don't think about has anything to do with your voice. And that body part is your shoulders. Look, where do we carry stress and tension, anxiety in our shoulders? Right. So if you can do nothing else before speaking in front of a group or offering your opinion in a meeting, or you're going to have one of those hard talks with one of your children, drop your shoulders lower them so that the muscles relax across the top of your chest and across the top of your back. Because what that does is it automatically relaxes the muscles in your neck and up into your jaw and up into your face. If your shoulders are tense, the muscles above them all have to be tense. And what happens is here, I'm going to do it. I've tightened everything up from the chest up And I'm breathing very shallowly. And what happens to the pitch of my voice is that it rises. And that's when it can sound a little strident because it's up here. All I'm going to do is drop my shoulders. Take one breath and the pitch is going to come back down. So drop your shoulders because that will relax a huge part of your body. Then take that breath and make sure the breath comes in through your mouth and down into your diaphragm, which is that muscle that is attached to the lower part of your breastbone, rib cage. And be mindful of when you breathe in that air, that the only thing that expands in your body is that muscle, which lies flat. But it when it's filled with air, it inflates like a balloon. And when it deflates, it deflates like a balloon. And when you, when you take that air in, if your shoulders are dropped, take the air in, don't move those shoulders. And then you begin to speak. You're in a good place to really start accessing your best pitch, which comes from your gut, which is aligned with your parasympathetic nervous system, which calms your central nervous system. It allows some of those chemicals that your central nervous system releases when you're happy, sad, upset, scared, anxious, whatever, the breath work counteracts that. So I teach my clients, you're going to stop, sit or stand, kind of do a little posture thing that I would teach you. And you're going to belly breathe, lowering the shoulders, whatever, for a minute, in on four, out on six, which is not yogic breathing, but for my clients, it serves another purpose. And you're going to do it for a minute. It's six to seven breaths. And then go on about the rest of your day and do another six or seven breaths. And then when you need to access the calmness, when you need to access your best voice, if you've practiced the breathing, you'll be able to do it like that. Just lowering your shoulders is the biggest tip that I can give you. And remembering to use a pause in your conversation to breathe that pause for the speaker Allows you to take more breath. It also gives you half a second to prepare your next sentence. But for the speak e, for the listener, what a pause does, it allows you to absorb, digest what you just heard. Now, how critical is that when you're having, you know, that sort of calm argument with a boss or a partner? Very calm. <laughs> if we could all take more time in listening and absorbing, before we go to speak again, we might all be in better shape across the board.
0: You yeah, know what I'm saying? Amen that. And mm-hmm. something that I didn't know that you touched on is when we're talking about our breath, I used to, if someone said, take a big breath, I would go mm-hmm. like that and try to fill sure. up my lungs like they're balloons, right? right? And it's so useful that you pointed out the diaphragm because the diaphragm, for those of you who don't remember this, it's located underneath your lungs. So if you think about trying to fill up your diaphragm with your breath, you're truly going to get that deep, deep, deep resonant breath. And it's very, very different than that big inhale to fill up your lungs. So that was just something that I learned when I started actually trying to do a little bit more breath work. And so I just Mm -hmm. wanted to share that with everybody. Right Now, I wanted to ask you about two different things. We talked about the baby voice, the diminutive voice, which is either quieter or baby voice, but May I ask you, do you have any tips specifically for vocal fry? And can Mm -hmm. you describe what that is? And Mm -hmm. then I've got one more for you.
1: Sure. Vocal fry is basically just unsupported breath. It's shallow breathing. It's oddly enough, more heard in a lower register than a higher register, which kind of is odd. But the Kardashian sisters are notorious for it.
0: But that's, Susan, like, yeah, what does it sound like? Yeah,
1: like this. It <laughs> sounds like this. That's what it sounds like. So it's simply unsupported breath. If you are breathing and if you are presenting, or I'll sometimes use the word project, but people conflate that word with loudness. So if you are really bringing up air from the bottom of your diaphragm, coming past your vocal cords so that you activate them unsupported breath doesn't activate your vocal cords so that's what gives the the fry sound it sounds like eggs frying or whatever so if you're really speaking from the belly and you're going at it with a bold tone and it can be it can I'm not saying you have to be loud or or happy or sad it's just your normal conversation chances are you'll start to remove some of that vocal fry.
0: Do people who have vocal fry know that they have vocal fry?
1: Only when other people point it out to them. I don't think they know it. Again, because we don't listen to our
0: voice or we've become immune to it. Well, if you don't want to start a podcast, you can use the voice notes on your phone. And if this is piquing your interest, you can record yourself on a phone call, or you can simply speak into your phone and record a voice note and listen to it back. I find Mm -hmm. that because for some reason, when we speak, it sounds so different in our heads than Uh it does when we play it back, Susan. It's kind of cruel, actually.
1: Yes, it is cruel. And that's because it has to do with the bone structure of our ears and how sound waves hit them versus how sound waves hit other people's ears. Our head is involved, whereas other people's heads aren't involved. And that's that's why singing in the shower always sounds so good, but singing elsewhere does not.
0: No, so, it's not just me.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's not just you. Okay. So yeah, that makes that's sense. why. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, the other condition, so to speak, that I wanted to ask you about mm-hmm. was nasal voices. So mm-hmm. I have a dear, dear family member who had a great deal of sinus um, trouble and developed a voice that was really, really quite nasal. Well, They've dealt with that condition, but the voice has almost become a habit, I think. I'm not sure. And it's very, very nasal. So so if we've been told that we sound nasal, is there anything that you recommend or any type of practice or just any practical tips, really?
1: Only one. That nasality thing would require like a speech therapist or an audiologist or somebody who really understands the biology and physiology. However, I did learn one trick, which can help when we're speaking. If you try humming, hold your nose and hum. You will feel the bone, the your cheekbones vibrate. So you, right? (laughs) So sound when it leaves your vocal cords. You want it to be bold enough so that you can almost. It's not quite like humming. Humming really emphasizes it, but you almost want. To feel resonance in your cheekbones. For somebody who has a problem with nasality, so, you know, norm- normally we speak and I will say, okay, the sound comes out of your mouth and literally the mask of your face, which would be your cheekbones. If you have uh, a nasal sound, sometimes if you picture instead of, this is really weird, but it can work. If you picture the sound of your voice, not coming resonating through your cheekbones which is where your sinuses are but imagine the sound of your voice exiting your eyes exiting your eyes in mm. other words it what it does it it will it should in theory physiolog i mean psychologically bring up not the pitch but it should bring up part of the tone so that it it's kind of going a little bit above that nasal area. So you you speak as though that sound were leaving your eyes, your eyes.
0: So I would have thought you go lower. So that's so interesting. So Mm -mm. so are you doing that while you're holding your nose? Or this is just while you're projecting and speaking and you're thinking about it coming through
1: your eyes?
0: Correct. Oh, that's so Mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah,
1: that's the only tip I know for that, that I mean, I could honestly be able to give you because i don't understand the physiology of that as well as i could
0: okay super interesting all right and then the other thing that you said that i just want to highlight so i'm going to just repeat something you've already said is projecting isn't about volume Mm -mm.
1: no that's obnoxious when you're too loud um wait i feel attacked
0: (laughs) i'm too loud all the time
1: you know and to be honest with you so am i um it's because but that's not what projecting no, is. No, it's just, I, again, I always go back to the word bold, subset, intentional. Projecting, yes, sometimes you'll say to someone, like they're on a stage, and they're, they're trying to get some lines out, and you'll say, with your voice, try to hit the last row of seats. I mean, that's a standard theatrical trick, which would combine volume and... um just resonance that will, you know, help your tone become more noticeable. But yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to raise your voice. You don't want to be louder. You just want to be bolder, just bold.
0: Projection is almost a confidence, right? And something you put under your voice to support it. And then volume is a different dial.
1: Yeah. And sometimes if you're not confident about something, you can't be bold. No confidence, no bold. So how do you manufacture the confidence? well, you do that by being bold. So it's a chicken egg thing.
0: You act as if. That's my tip. This is, listen. Act as if. Yes. And it's it's a little bit of fake it till you make it, especially in public speaking. So you fake that you're someone comfortable speaking. But to say it in a way that's more authentic to you, you put yourself where you want to be and you speak to people from that place. It's still you. It's all in there. Yes. So I like to just say, act as if. You're already there. You're already confident. And you can do that in short spurts and it builds a muscle. Yes,
1: very true. And it's not about the speech itself. It's about your audience. If you're connecting with them and if you're being real with them and authentic, an authentic voice with some truth that you're telling, that should activate some bold.
0: Susan, I find what you do absolutely fascinating. Me too. I'm so grateful that you shared it with us. And I will link to you. I will link to your website. That will be extremely easy for people Mm -hmm. to find you. But I want to encourage anyone who would like to improve their public speaking confidence, their tone, uh, their projection, their authentic voice. You don't have to be a journalist to work with Susan.
1: No, no. I've worked with ministers. I'm working with a financial advisor at the moment. I work with anybody who is looking to be more authentic in any arena in which you work or live.
0: Susan, thank you so much. You're so welcome, Ella. Let's do it again. Yes, you guys, send your questions. We can have you on. We can put people in the hot seat. So send in your questions and we'll make it happen. Susan, thanks. Thank you. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or get the show notes and all the links shared today at onairella.com. There's no if, it's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.